Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to November's Movies Podcast. Coming up, we give you the latest disc news and we also ask the question, is TV now better than the cinema? And joining me this month, as always, is Chris McInerney, Alan Parson, and Simon Cruss. Good evening, guys. Hello. Hello. So um, let's kick off with the new releases, as we always do. So let's talk Blu-ray and Inglorious Bastards, guys. Uh, who's looking forward Thanks to very this? Very much. Yeah. Nice. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think we're su- suitably miffed by that insult there. <laughs> I think, I, think he, I think he nailed us quite well. Yeah. So obviously we're talking about Quentin Tarantino's new movie, uh, Inglorious Bastards. So um, who's seen it? What did you think? And uh, are we looking forward to the disc? I've seen it. And even though I'm not Tarantino's biggest fan, I actually quite enjoyed it. But I think because um, going into it, I already knew what kind of film it wasn't going to be, which is the reason why a lot of people didn't like it. Because it's not, as a lot of people out there probably already know by now, it's, it's not your gung-ho traditional um, Second World War action movie. Um, taking you know a side swipe at the Dirty Dozen-style Men on a Mission, uh, it, it's actually a deep-seated character study of various ne'er-do-wells um, in a fairy tale sort of occupied France, circa 1944. It's, um, yeah, I thought it was great. There is action there. There's great headlining cast members there. Um, Brad Pitt, not quite in the uh, extensive role that a lot of his fans thought there would be. But um, what what he is in, you know, he rules. Um, a great, great uh, performance from the, the guy who plays the, the German, Colonel Hans Lander, Christoph Waltz, I think his name is. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, it's <laughs> you've got baseball bat-wielding uh, GI mercenaries who are out to scalp Germans and Nazis and any that they let off the leash, they're going to scar for life. <laughs> What's not to love? You've also got um, some French babe who, uh, who her family gets massacred, so she goes on a, a, you know, a deep-seated, um, long-standing odyssey of vengeance against, well, Colonel Hans Lander for perpetrating the crime in the first place. It's a far-reaching, ridiculously convoluted and highly talky tale. Uh, it's Tarantino through and through. There's movie references of plenty in virtually every scene. It's not your traditional Second World War movie, which people have been expecting. Personally, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. But, you know, as a Blu-ray, this is coming out. <laughs> I think we should inform people. This is coming out December the 15th, the American Blu-ray, rated R. UK release date appears to be 7th of December, so we're getting that a bit ahead. Um uh, I'm not too sure what the extras are. Let's have a little look at what we have. Um, Lord sorry, about, sorry about this, guys. What's happened is I've got a, I've got a new mouse here, a wireless mouse, uh, and it's okay. it's not doing what it's bloody meant to do. I do apologise for that. Okay. <laughs> that little interlude so, there. On, on, on the, the supplement, just scroll down. Yeah, it's work now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, when you take it on, wait, when the thing goes off the screen, it, you've got to reactivate it again. Oh. And it, it's, oh. but it is better than what I had before, which wasn't working at all. So you know, beggars can't be shooters, can they? Anyway, back to what I was saying. Okay, well, well when the Blu-ray comes out, it's going to be covered with um, a DTS HD Master Audio 5.1, um, extended scenes and alternate scenes. We have what's this? Rod Taylor on Victoria Bitters, the Australian beer. Quentin Tarantino's Camera Angel. Hi, Sally's gag reel. Oh, I always love gag reels. I, I, and in this film, there, there should be plenty and plenty of stuff that's uh, been fluffed and gone wrong. There's a poster gallery tour with Elvis Mitchell, um, an Inglorious Bastards poster gallery, domestic and international trailers. Well, oh, yeah, okay. Nation's Pride. That's, this is the film within the film of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, so, don't know how much of that we're going to get to see. And we have a roundtable discussion with Tarantino, Brad Pitt, and film historian critic Elvis Mitchell. Also, a, a making of Nation's Pride, the film within the film, and the original Inglorious Bastards, which again a lot of people may know was um, 
a grindhouse um, exploitation flick from the year 1978. This isn't that film put on the disc, it's just a salute to it. And we have a conversation with veteran actor Rod Taylor. Can I ask, uh, is, is Rod Taylor in the movie? Um, do you know what? I cannot remember. <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he is, that would be a, a real good reason for me to want to see it, because he's a real good actor. He was in The Time Machine. Uh, and and The Birds, yeah. Yeah, he was an ex- excellent actor. He's an excellent actor. And do you know what? I can't remember if he's in it or not. Well, there you go. There's a reason to get it anyway, or at least to look it up on IMDb. <laughs> well, I've, I've got to say, Chris, this one left me a little bit cold when I went to the cinema to see it. Now, I don't know if that was my frame of mind when I went in to see it, because it was I was killing time. I had a few hours to kill. Oh, um, God, yeah. Well, if you're killing time with a Tarantino movie, yeah, it's that's a, a weird thing to do. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It just um, Because it was a fairy tale and there was absolutely no reality to it whatsoever, especially... Um, the last reel of the film, you'll know exactly what mm, I'm talking about. Um, yeah. That just kind of left me cold and, and thinking, well, it's just Tarantino. And uh, uh, Tarantino light, in this case, uh, was what I came out with. Mm. I, got, I got the feeling, uh, I haven't seen the movie, but my, my impression was that it was Tarantino's take on The Dirty Dozen. Now, from what you're saying, um, it doesn't appear no. to be like that. Not quite. It's it's got a lot of um, similarities to it. These are people who are the actual glorious bastards themselves. They, they've they're not the most loved of the nation. They're not the nation's finest, put it that way. Um, but you know, Brad Pitt's character has a mission in mind. He's a, he's a patriotic soul, if ever there was one. Um, and he you know he takes no prisoners, or rather very few prisoners. So these guys have particular attributes. The idea is to strike absolute fear into the Nazis. Basically, they're not safe anywhere. Uh, this is this is a great and exciting concept, but it's not how the film really plays it out. They're only in, in partial bits. Their mission runs through the film, but it's concurrent with other stories which take up the lion's share of the uh, of the movie itself. But their idea is, is basically sound. They're going to put the fear of absolute God into the Nazis. Um, no one will survive. Any that do happen to get a will be scarred for life, so they can't even hide after the war, which was I thought was a, a neat little trick. And uh, it's it's great. They've even got one one German soldier who's amongst them. Who the, even though the fact he's a German soldier, the fact that he hates Nazis more than they do is terrific. And it's got some pretty blood curdling scenes of violence. But again, it's in a very comic book sort of um, style. Uh, but I liked it. And as I said before, I'm not Tarantino's biggest fan. And I did know what to expect going in. So I think that does make a bit of a difference. As you say, Tarantino Light, maybe that's why I liked it. Very, very good. Rod Taylor, you reckon you don't remember what part he played? No. Winston Churchill, does that ring a bell? Oh. <laughs> yes, I, I better <laughs> not say it on it. He's construed as quite an important what, character, what no? What the hell was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's leave uh, that one there. Uh, it's coming out December 15th uh, in Glorious Bastards, Quentin Tantino's latest one. If you want to pick it up, uh, that's the US version. Do we have any dates for the UK release? We do. It's on the. It's coming out before the American one. It's on the 7th of December. There you go, folks. So the 7th of December for the UK version of that. So let's move on to uh, Star Trek Original Series Season 3. Uh, Simon, kick us off with this one. Ah, uh, yes. Well, two minds, of course. Star Trek, fantastic. The third season. What a load of rubbish! <laughs> <laughs> it's such a shame. Dying off with Spock's brain. Oh, it's just awful. Just awful. They got in um, um, cheap cut rate producers who uh, they had a tenth of the budget. All the uniforms are falling apart. All the uh, uh, actors were gaining weight. So it was just awful. Um, I know you said there were some decent stories in there. I'm struggling to think of any. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's still Star Trek, and it's still it's great. Trek. I'm still going to buy it. <laughs> well, I think we're all going to get it because we're—I think we're all Trek fans here, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So not, still, this won't be on the day for me, though. I'm afraid I'll, I will wait a little bit for this one because, but well, basically, I'm skint. But <laughs> but I'm definitely going to get it. Yeah. I, I'm struggling to uh, to go back to season three. Um, but is it a case of it's so bad it's good, or is it just a case of it's Star Trek? So what the hell? It's it's still good. It's it's Star Trek. So there's there's still a fair bit of um, chemistry and camaraderie there. The stories are by and large, you know, a degree or several below the standard we come to expect, uh, and a lot more comedy, a lot more hokey stuff going on. But 
you know, it, it is Star Trek. There are characters we, we, we know and love. And if you've got the first two seasons, there's no way on earth you're going to leave this one behind, are you? Yes. Okay. So, uh, Simon, what's the supplements on this? Oh, there's uh, a load more stuff. We know Fan has gone before, restored, unaired. Um, the pilot episode at long last, which should have been on the first release, really, but uh, they've left it. Shouldn't it just, yeah? They, yeah, they've left it for the third here, which is the, the cage, obviously. World of Rod Roddenberry, Comic uh, Con 2009, Memoirs from Mr. Sulu, Captain's Log, Bob Justman, Billy Blackburn's Treasure Chest, which is um, the, the third instalment of uh, the, 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 the bit actor there, who, um, if you've got the first two um, seasons, it's uh, rare footage of his behind the scenes, you know, really candid stuff. It's really worth watching. Boldly Go Season 3, again, they've been sort of copying this, going over what's been on, on the uh, first and second. This is talking about the third one. Collectible Trek, presumably that's all about the collectible stuff that goes with Star Trek. Uh, gallons and gallons of stuff. Star Trek's impacts, um, well, we all know the impact of Star Trek has. It's been going for 40 years. It's going to go for another 40 years. It's, it seems completely unstoppable. And these um, releases just compound that. You know, they are absolutely loved and adored and fantastic. We're all saying how crap this season is, but we're all going to buy it anyway. Um, the whole odds the same. Um, Life Beyond Trek, Walter Koenig this time. Um, anthropology of Star Trek, Comic-Con panel, that's, this is going to be more round tables, which again have adorned the first and second seasons. It's, they get a group of fans and they put them all together and they discuss various aspects of Star Trek. It, they're, they're eminently watchable, you know, one-watch things really. Um, no, no real particular insights. And then you've got the Chief Engineer's Log. Again, not quite sure what that'll be. This will be all beady live. Um, it's going to be a massive stuff as, as are the first two seasons and we're all going to buy it, no matter what we think of the seasons. Okay, so uh, that's the US release on December 15th. Do you have a UK release date? Uh, not on that one, I'm afraid. No, not yet. I okay. would think it'll probably be sometime in January. They okay. tend to be a, a month or two behind for whatever reason. Okay, so uh, we'll look forward uh, to that one. If you're waiting for the UK release, then it's only a month or so to wait. Uh, moving on to the next one. It's one of these films which I really wanted to see and uh, just missed it. Um, and that's District 9. It, it piqued my interest. Did anybody get to see it? And uh, what were the thoughts? I saw it, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, great, absolutely bizarre movie. This is um, set sometime in the future, the, the near future. Aliens have actually landed, sort of, on Earth. They, they're hovering stuck above the Earth. But what happened back in 1982 is that they managed to get in, save the aliens, bring them down to Earth. Sadly, it's right above um, Johannesburg. So the ruling state being what it is, they put them into, they segregate them and put these aliens, these poor uh, marooned aliens, into um, a camp, a district line, a ghettoized area. Um, you know, you don't need to tell me now the uh, the, the veiled metaphor that that actually is. These um, rather large humanoid prawns, they're called prawns in the movie, uh, as a term of um, abuse more than anything else, um, integrate with society uh, very badly. They're used, exploited, um, and they're moved by. The story of this movie picks up where they're about to be moved from District 9 to another camp somewhere somewhere else and probably you know, with far less amenities than this shanty hovel actually has. Uh, and it takes the it posits the story of the guy who goes in there to clean them all out and move them on. Uh, the aliens themselves have other ideas. And without saying too much, this poor guy ends up ingesting something which begins to change him into one of them. So, although he's just won this fantastic job, um, his father-in-law is the one who's given him this job of moving him on, his job status, he's now going to become just as ostracised and hated as the, the poor aliens are. So, what starts out as a kind of quirky, um, it's done sort of uh, documentary-style, fly on the wall, but that's on purpose. They're filming the eviction of the uh, the prawns doesn't quite stay like that, but it maintains the handheld quality. It starts off like this with quirkiness, comedy, bit of um, obvious um, violence in there as well, and social observation. And then it becomes, it descends into a massive action fest with, with tremendous fe- visual effects. The CG in this is absolutely amazing, uh, as you would expect from a guy that was about to work with um, Peter Jackson on the Halo movie. This is a fellow called Neil Blomkamp, um, and the visual effects background is he marshals the the visuals tremendously. It's all very vivid. It's all very in your face. It's all very um, 
seamless. You have battles of plenty. You have some really seemingly nasty bad guys in this who were the authorities and rival gangs who were out there to exploit the, you know, the aliens. There's one particular gang. Um, oh, where are they from? Are they Namibians? Oh, I can't remember now. But they have this ridiculous belief that if they ingest some of the air, uh, uh, the alien meat, as it were, and they'll hack these poor buggers to bits and eat them, uh, that they'll ingest some of their DNA and some of their power. The reason being, because as well as the aliens landing there, they've got some of the aliens' weaponry, but only the aliens, because of their DNA, can fire this weaponry. So hence there's secret government organisations doing experiments on people to try and get them to fire these guns. It's great stuff. I don't think I've said too much about that there, have I really? <laughs> The, the, the plot, there's a lot more to it than that, but it's just a tremendous movie. It's left field, it's action packed, and it's very funny. Okay, well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, just to go through the disc specs, it's a two disc set coming out 185 to 1 aspect ratio, DTS HD, Master Audio 5.1, supplements, uh, Metamorphosis, the transformation of Wickis, uh, innovation, concept drawings, uh, visual effects, director's commentary, and loads of other stuff there, including uh, movie. IQ, which is uh, the new Sony uh, gimmick, gimmick. <laughs> okay, Alan, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and some BD Live stuff on there as well. So that's coming out December twenty second, and the UK release is the week after that. And uh, moving on, one that I'm also looking forward to, and uh, I guess we're all Star Wars fans here as well, Alan. Um, Family Guy presents something, something, something dark side. <laughs> well, the title tells you it all, doesn't it? You know, um, it's one of these things. To be honest, I've never, I've never seen the film. Um, I take it it must be about Star Wars. Am I, <laughs> yep. am I correct? <laughs> God, you picked the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> oh hell! Anyway, it's um, it, they did. It was one... a small movie in the seventies. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Was it all right? yeah. A lot of people missed it. <laughs> Anyway, fam- Family Guy, the cast for Family Guy, they did a Star Wars spin-off for the last anniversary. Um, Blue Harvest. Which, yeah. Blue Harvest, which was uh, extremely funny. Uh, very good, very well done, and had the blessing of Lucasfilm, so it had the original score and so on. And uh, This is the follow-up to that, and um, there's not a lot here about the uh, what the actual storyline is. Has is, is anybody found out what uh, exactly it is? I take it it's, it's going to be a... Uh, a reinterpretation of Empire Strikes Back, but that's about as much as I know. Well, that's pretty yeah. much it. This is a yeah, straight-to-video release. <laughs> it's a straight-to-video release. It hasn't been on, on on network television, so nobody knows really what it's about until it's out. So this is why, why it's quite an exciting release. First time on Blu-ray for Family Guy, first time on DVD for the whole release. Well, let's and, be honest. They're, they're just like extended episodes anyway. 44 okay. minutes. You know, it's it's just a Star Wars-themed episode. You know, yeah. So... <laughs> But it, it, if it follows the last one, it will tell the story roughly, won't it, anyway? Of course it will. Yeah, it'll have all the salient parts. That's it. And you know, it'll have the, the big reveal at the end. You know, it'll, it'll have everything there, but in their own twisted, quirky way that Family Guy know how to do. Yeah, And, and I'm sure it'll be absolutely incredible. And, of course, Seth MacFarlane, he's one of my heroes at the moment. He really is. Uh, he's one of these guys that just turn his hand to anything. And You have big musical numbers in there. And uh, did anybody see the, the proms this year? Um, he actually did uh, the MGM night. He did a few songs there um, and fell into character a couple of times. The guy is really talented. It's a really yeah. funny show. Yeah. They didn't know that, no. And uh, obviously, while we're mentioning that, there's obviously Robot Chicken as well. I uh, don't know if you oh, guys keep up with oh, Robot Chicken. Fantastic. Robot Chicken, oh, absolutely um, tremendous. So, yeah. so they've already done the whole episode two Empire Strikes Back thing. Um, it was out in DVD about three months ago. Um, and absolutely hilarious. I was in oh, tears God. at some yeah. points. Um, Boba Fett falling down into the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> Whoa! Meant to do it. Meant to do it. <laughs> absolutely and, love it. Love when, it. That. And when the Death Star explodes above Endor and then all the bits come down and crush the Ewoks. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny. So, um, Alderaan chunks everywhere. Oh, get over it, princess. <laughs> Absolutely adore that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very funny. So this will be in the same vein, although it, obviously it's the Family Guy characters that we all know and love. And that's coming out on uh, December 22nd. Um, let's go to Chris for the Green Berets. Hello. Yeah, Green Berets. John Wayne at his most dangerously gung-ho. Uh, this was a film made in 1968 
whilst the Yanks were actually heavily embroiled in Vietnam, where the film story is set. Telling the story of the American Special Forces, their training and their approach to, well, or lack of approach to hearts and minds and their, their viciously anti-communist stance. A film that was vilified by a lot of people and caused Mr. Wayne a lot of trouble back home. Uh, but facts being facts um, and his complete disregard for, for them as far as the actual uh, the war was going over there, it's a great action war movie. It's told in the style of a Second World War um, sort of uh, uh, Pacific Island battle sort of war film. And, you know, it's, it's action all the way. You get to meet the cast. You get to meet the cast. You get to meet all the characters, go through the training. They go over there and they encounter vicious, nuts, you know, horrible um, Viet Cong and North Vietnamese. And they're getting wasted left, right and center. They have gallant last stands and big battles all the way. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I could be in a lot of trouble for that because a lot of people hate this movie with a vengeance. Um, but I've not seen it for a long, long time. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. This is an unrated cut. I, I really don't know if um, the film was ever censored in any sort of way, violence-wise. I remember a couple of grisly bits in it, um, which kind of lingered with me for quite some time afterwards. Um, this comes out on Blu-ray on January the 5th next year 2010 it's priced at $28.99 it's got a VC1 um, codec 2.40 to 1 English Dolby 2HD 5.1 surround uh, supplement wise we have the making of the Green Berets now I could be completely wrong here I've got no other information on it but I reckon that's probably like a 5 minute promo piece I really can't imagine that we you know, we get anything in depth about this movie because uh, it's, as I say, it's not liked and it's kind of relegated to uh, you know the, the bottom of the list sort of thing. I would love to, to hear a commentary on this movie and I'd love to see some proper full-on you know, uh, recollections from some of the cast, <laughs> the ones who are still alive, that is. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to get that. I don't think it's as bad or as, uh, you know, as evil as it's depicted as being. It's gung-ho, it's definitely political, but it's... Uh, you know, it's got its ideas up its backside, but it's a war film. It's a John Wayne war film. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, I, I remember seeing this years and years and years and years ago on on the telly uh, during the during the time that Platoon was doing around. So when was that? Eighties sometime. Eighty six, wasn't it? So uh, that's when I saw it. I saw it on the telly in um, oh, in my bedroom. Oh, years and years <laughs> and years ago. And I remember distinctly the announcer coming on saying. Um, okay, the platoon's going round doing the rounds, very anti-Vietnam. We're now going to show you the Green Berets, 1968 John Wayne, which has a very different stance. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got that scene right in the very beginning when, and you've got those reporters, John Wayne's doing his big thing, the colonel's doing his big thing, and um, the, the two reporters come and say, what do you say about America shouldn't be there? And he shoots them down. <laughs> he said, look, this gun here, AK-47, the, the, the Reds, the communists, we've got to go in there, we've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's saying yeah. exactly the reasons why they were there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's uh, oh, oh, oh dear, forgive us for actually telling the truth in the movie for once. Well, it, it doesn't really tell the truth. It doesn't depict it in any kind of authenticity. Ah, yes, but, uh, anyway, but there you go. It's, it's, it's an action movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the Simon Cowell sitting on the fence sort of thing here now. Yeah. I must admit, John, John Wayne, uh, over the years, has been one of my favourite actors. He always turned in a good performance, and yeah, the movies that stick in mind are uh, things like The Quiet Man and all these kind of movies. The, the Searchers. Yeah, The Searchers is a great movie. And I even remember um, Brannigan that he made uh, in, in Britain. Yeah. Uh, a great movie, uh, good entertainment, and he made family movies. The only thing that kind of spoiled it for me was the fact that he was involved in the McCarthy witch hunts uh, in the late 50s, which I think kind of uh, gave some uh, clue to the IQ of an awful lot of people uh, when they all just jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah. And a lot of people in the film business were kicked out of America because yeah. of it. Um, they, were, they were shopped by their buddies and they were yeah. blacklisted, weren't they? And, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I just thought to myself, here's this great big guy. He's, you, you, you see him as a star and uh, you know almost infallible and then he gets involved with something like that. It kind of reminds me of a story that I was told once about, uh, about a lighting cameraman who'd worked on um, The Greatest Story Ever Told and um, John Wayne plays the centurion in the movie. Oh, yeah. 
and uh, you know uh, Max von Sydow is up on the cross, and Big John says, "This man was truly the son of God." And the director says, John, 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 say it with an ah, oh, John, say it with an ah. Oh. So he said, okay. And then light, <laughs> lights, camera, action. And he sauntered up and he went, ah, oh, this <laughs> man was truly. And you think, you can't imagine him ever doing that. But that, if you look at the movie, that's the take that they printed. It's <laughs> mm. great, yeah. Excellent stuff. So that's it. Green Berets, it's out uh, January 5th, 2010. Uh, we don't have a, a UK release date just yet, but um, we will tell you as the podcasts go on uh, into next year. And, uh, moving and I'll on. review it. Okay, Chris, you can review it. <laughs> moving on, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson um, seems to have dropped off the radar lately, but obviously he had uh, a number of big hits in the 90s with uh, Boogie Nights and his follow-up, Magnolia, is coming to DVD and Blu-ray on January the 19th, 2010. It's 188 minutes. It is a long film, uh, nominated for three Academy Awards and, in my opinion, Tom Cruise's best performance ever. Did any of you other guys catch this? Anybody fans? I've got, a, I've got it here at home, but I've never actually watched the movie, although I have seen the... Uh, a fair bit of the Tom Cruise footage. I've seen, I don't know what I saw the name, but I've definitely seen his do his, his, do his speech. Um, you know about a certain body part. It's infomercial. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've not seen the movie itself. No. Basically, it's uh, it was probably the precursor to the Crash type movies, where um, you have a whole load of coincidences, whole load of separate storylines, which interweave and then come to uh, a climax at the end and uh, the main thrust of the film is coincidence um, and you've got Philip Seymour Hoffman in there, William H. Macy uh, Jason Robans Philip Baker Hall and Julianne Moore um, and of course Tom Cruise, excellent film I thoroughly enjoyed it, it's been a few years since I last seen it uh, but looking forward to the Blu-ray so that's coming out January 19th 2010, we're keeping this short because nobody else has seen it uh, aspect ratio of 240 to 1. I've seen the first 10 minutes of that's in <laughs> English uh, Dolby 2HD 5.1 surround sound and supplements Magnolia Video Diary, um, Frank Macy's Seminar, uh, Seduce and Destroy Infomercial, uh, One and Save Me, the Amy Mann music videos, which she won an Oscar for Save Me, and uh, theatrical trailers and TV spots. So a little bit light on the extras, but then again, it is a, almost a three-hour movie there. So that's coming out 19th of January. So moving on, we'll move on to uh, 1978 Toolbox Murders. It's coming out January 25th, 2010 in the US. And Chris is going to tell us all about it. Yeah, Toolbox Murders, another infamous movie, which is um, seeing the light of day again via Blue Underground, who are doing some remarkable um, rebirths of old classic um, and, and pretty nasty movies at that Um this was from 1978. Um, this is an unrated version. This was about Cameron Mitchell was going around an apartment block. He was the hotel handyman, and he was um, wasting lots of lovely ladies with the rather nasty tools in his big toolbox. <laughs> Screwdrivers, power drills, and infamously the deadly nail gun. Um, now, in the UK, this this was always cut to bits. You know, it was a pretty worthless. It was infamous at the time when it first came out on VHS. And uh, I got a copy of it. And I thought, what, what the hell is the fuss about? Because there's nothing in here at all. Um, but then again, you, you finally get to see the American version, the uncut version. And oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty raw stuff. Now, this was 78, don't forget. So this, you know, Halloween had just come out. And we'd had the, the, the splatter fest of Dawn of the Dead. So Gore was becoming, you know, de rigueur. Um, for, for movies, horror movies at the time, more explicit the better, the more popular they were going to be. Um, and, you know, this was no exception. It, it's, it, it was remade a few years ago. I remember doing the early review of it, actually, of the, of the remake, and it was, yeah, it was gory, but I, I can't remember much about it, to be honest. I don't think it was any good at all. Now, and to be honest with you, this film isn't very good either, but, you know, to a certain jaded audience, of which I include myself there, of course, um, you know, it's it's great stuff. <laughs> it's a nice trip down um, gory memory lane. Now, on this, you've got an audio commentary with producer Tony DiDidio, director of photography Gary Graver, and star Pamela Ferdin. You also have I Got Nailed in the Toolbox Murders, an interview with star Marianne Walter. Uh, now, that looks like... Uh, the, the, 
Blue Underground are doing some strange little features on their on their releases now. Having just looked at the New York Ripper, they actually had a, a feature of of a, of a girl who was she's violated by a broken bottle um, after performing a live sex show. It's a very brief scene, and it's hardly like, "Hey, mum, look, I'm an actress in a movie. Wow, look what happens to me." She then went on to have a career of the most explicit um, sexual fueled um, violence against her. You know, if, that, that's, if that's your thing, then, you know, and you can make money out of it, then great. So they seem to be doing these strange, quirky little featurettes. You have the theatrical trailer and you have some TV spots. Um, I really have no idea how this would possibly look. We don't know what the codec's going to be. It's in the original aspect ratio of 1.66 to 1. Um, and we don't know what the audio format's going to be. I, knowing Blue Underground, it may well be a DCS HD 7.1. Uh, and... Although in the past I have been slating the likes of Blue uh, Blue Underground and um, Anchor Bay for their really ridiculously bogus multi-channel surround tracks of films that were only mono. Well, the last two that I've heard, which would be The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, um, which is a fabulous movie, has a, has a great 7.1 track. It doesn't, okay, admittedly utilise all the seven channels, but you do get a lot of room enveloping, enveloping effects. And it sounds crystal clear. And, you know, I was quite impressed with it. Likewise with New York Ripper. So with this, I don't know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be pretty good. So, you know, and if it follows the New York Ripper trend, it'll have the, the original mono track as well. So I don't think you can go wrong with that. If you're a fan of uh, the old nasties, here you go. It's coming back again. Okay, so that's uh, Toolbox Motors. It's coming out uh, January 25th. That's the Region A release. And again, we'll update you once we have a Region B date for that. Let's move on, Simon. 20th anniversary edition time for Goodfellas. Absolutely, of course. Um, outside of The Godfather, quite possibly the best um, gangster movie ever put on film. Um, Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta. I mean, what more could you want? It's a stunning Stunning films. I can't believe he's twenty years old though. God, where's that time gone? <laughs> oh, yeah. that 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 immaculate scene with Pesci doing the. You me, you me. Why am I funny? Why am I funny? I'm not funny. Oh, just you know, brilliant. Absolutely We're here to brilliant. entertain you. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was just very, very different from from something like The Godfather, where where you had uh, all about the family. This one, they was all out for each other. Um, and obviously, when you, you get that right at the very, uh, I was going to talk about the end. Can I talk about the end of the twenty-year-old film? I think I can. Yeah. 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 Um, when he just rolls over and gives everyone up just to save his own skin, which is exactly what you know, what happened in those days. You know, it was just you know, they were <laughs> all out ends themselves. Up, ends up living like a regular schnook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, graphically violent. We were talking about Toolbox just now, which was. Um, almost Tom and Jerry in his violence. I mean, graphically horrible, but I mean, just ridiculous. And then you go into the other extreme here, which is depicted quite so horrendously. Yeah, this oh. is the big difference. Horror big. movies, sensationalised yeah. violence. The gangster movies gets away with it because their they're integrity of the actual storytelling, and it's essential. This is the way that they live. But it depicts some blood-curdling violence. You know, these, these movies always do that. And of course, I think we all know the particular sequence, which is uh, which gets everybody. Uh, the, the sequence where the guy's head is literally kicked in. Mm. <laughs> you know, you know, he, the, the the guy in certain quarters deserved it. You know, go get your shoe shine box. Obviously, <laughs> I cut swearing out of that bit, but uh, yeah, it, it's pretty grim. But Sorry. absolutely <laughs> compelling. No, it's absolutely compelling viewing, isn't it? Um, yeah. Again, a, a three-hour film, and you, you just riveted all the way through it. These guys, which are absolute scum of the earth, but you you get to to really feel for them. And when they're backstabbing each other, and you're going, "Oh my god!" And the the, the things they try and get themselves in the oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's grand old epic entertainment. Absolutely, um, despite you know the language, the the volatility of certain characters, um, and the violence that's in it, it is like um, a very old school. MGM style epic movie it, it goes across decades we, we it's done in such a, a barnstorming grand slam you know operatic wide-ranging style that you can't help but be smitten by it of mm. course couple that with a um, fantastic performances all round yeah a dazzling script which is it's just it's so quotable um, obviously sadly we can't quote any of the best lines here because I, I, I'm, I'm funny 
I'm, yeah. I'm funny F- to funny you. How? I'm, yeah. I'm funny how. <laughs> Actually, yeah, um, just... while we're talking about this, um, I thought I'd just bought this on Blu-ray, and I've actually just gone away and had a look, and yeah, I've got a Region B version here, and uh, looking at the extras, it's identical. <laughs> well, um, there you go. So there you go. Um, unless <laughs> unless I've redone the transfer, I haven't watched this yet, I just bought it the other day, it was in the sale. Um, is it a 20th anniversary? It's not the 20th anniversary, but well, I'm just looking... so, so this is just a repackaged American version of the English disc that's available then? Yeah, it's got two commentaries on there, which uh, the US disc has, three documentaries, cast and crew, which is on there. Um, looking through, paper is cheaper than film, screen to, uh, storyboard to screen, comparisons, theatrical trailer. So the only new thing in there is four Warner Brothers mob-themed cartoons. Oh, that's got to be mm. worth buying, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Oh, and, <laughs> and I'm looking here, and I can't see Public Enemies, the Golden Age of Gangster film, so that could be one new extra on there. Um, so unless they've redone the transfer, and it's a new transfer, it's out in Region B, folks. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there'd be more on this, actually. $34.99. It's not even a two-disker, is it? No, it looks like a single-disker. No, no it's, just, it's just a cash-in. It's just a reissue to cash-in on the anniversary. Well, there you go, folks. Shameless. Yeah, but it's uh, it's still a, a worthy still a film. Great film. So if you haven't seen it and you haven't got it, um, there you go. You've got a choice of the Region B disc or the Region A disc, which looks like it has one new extra. And we don't know till we get it. It might have a new transfer. Well, it's um, you say Region A. It'll be actually Region 3, won't it? Yeah, it's an American released. release, but it'll yeah. be a Region 3 disc. Water Brothers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it will. Okay, so uh, let's wrap up. On the uh, on the disc news, and uh, this is a Blu-ray and DVD release on the 11th of January, and let's get Alan to come in on this one, Cinema Paradiso. Oh yeah, uh, Cinema Paradiso is a, a nice film. It's something that I've got a particular affinity for because I I, I used to show films in a, a part-time cinema in Scotland, and uh, uh, to me the story just appealed to me. Um, it's a lovely film. It's nicely nicely told, nicely lit, um, and it's a gentle story uh, about the, the 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 kid who helps his friend Alfredo, who's the projectionist at the, the local cinema, uh, while he, uh, he's in his childhood. Then he goes off and he, he actually becomes a, a successful film director himself and he, he goes back for Alfredo's funeral. It's very sad. And uh, he, you know, uh, he's, he's got memories of his first affair with a, a young lady called Elena. And basically he meets up with all, all the people in the community that he left 30 years earlier. It's a, it's a nice, gentle story. Um, it's not something. It's, it's. It's. I think a lot of people who like the uh, fast-paced action movies, I would say it's probably not their cup of tea. But you know, give yourself a chance to sit down and watch it, and I think you'll probably fall in love with it as well. It has that European look to the light. It's sometimes it's an insult to say that something's a nice movie, <clears throat> or some people construe that to be the case. But this is a nice movie, and it's a movie that you can watch all the way through. And afterwards, you think, wow, that was good. And there are very few movies that you can do that with these days. You know, very rarely do you feel that about a film. And the fact that this is a basically a foreign language film and you can get by on the subtitles, um, even when you've got that to, that little hurdle to overcome, you get to the mo- end of the movie and you, you're, you're impressed and you think it's been a, a well worth uh, 118 minutes. For me... The film lives, and I've got the DVD, so I'll probably go for the Blu-ray as well. It's out on the 11th of January 2010, uh, so it's probably a couple of months away. Recommended price of £22.99, uh, coming from Arrow Films, apparently. So it'll be one to look, for, look out for, I think. Okay, so that wraps up our uh, disc news for this month. We'll be back in a few seconds with some more chit-chat on films. Join the discussion at Europe's largest home cinema website. Log in to avforums.com. Made by enthusiasts. For enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie, thanks. This is the AV Podcast. So we're back again, and uh, what we're going to talk about this month is a subject that we raised very briefly last month uh, on the podcast, and that is 
is TV overtaking film in terms of uh, production values, storylines, and uh, the talent on offer uh, behind the camera and in front of the camera? Now, obviously, the things that have uh, brought this to the forefront are series like Battlestar Galactica, the relaunch of V. Uh, we also have uh, series like Lost, uh, 24, um, that kind of thing. So, so, guys, do you think that um, TV is becoming the new... Um, uh, more viable entertainment format than it used to be? Uh, certainly more than it used to be, yeah. I mean, if you're getting production values on a par with uh, big screen movies um, and you know, top flight directors and producers who are helming these things, then then yeah, good, you know, ongoing you know, stories, massively overarching stories, the likes of Lost, for example. Um, 24, which guarantees, you know, bums on seats every single time it's on. Uh, yeah, the... They're vibrant, kinetic, very interesting, you know, well put together, um, episodic adventures, aren't they? And, and movies, sadly, you know, you're still getting the, the big major blockbusters, which are obviously going to boast the same sort. Well, obviously, higher production values and a lot more money thrown at them, um, bigger name stars. But on the whole, I think uh, not that I'm, I get a chance to watch much of these TV shows, but. You know, judging by what people around me are all, because they're so enthusiastic about a lot of these shows, um, they're the things that people make a point of watching. They'll miss movies, but they're not going to miss the next episode of, you know, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Or you mentioned V there. I'm hearing a lot of good things about V, the remake of V. So, you know, um, yeah, it, it certainly is becoming a lot more uh, viable and profitable for the, the companies and a, a good guarantee of all-round entertainment. I guess one of the things that interested me recently was uh, watching some supplemental material on uh, a couple of films, and there the writers were talking about how in the past it was seen that you were either a, a writer for film or you were a writer for TV, and the same with direction. You, you know, you weren't a big-time director if if you did TV work, and a lot of them were saying that that's now changing and that um, a lot of the good talent is now in in the TV sphere. So, Simon, do you think that, that that's a, a valid point now? I would, well, if if it was a supplement on DVD, then it must be true, surely. <laughs> yeah, no, they never no, lie, no, do they? I, I, no, I, was, I wasn't talking about whether it was true or false. <laughs> what I was saying was, it, it, what having watched these new new TV series such as Battlestar Galactica, do you think that it is a case that the talent um, is is moving over there now, and directors are maybe not shunned as they used to be by being a TV director. I think that's got to be fairly true, isn't it? The way that the home um, entertainment TV has progressed, um, cinemas having a, a great deal of difficulty in keeping up. Um, of course, it's cheaper to make TV shows. I mean, o- over the life of a TV series, um, there would be more money spent on it than, say, uh, your typical Hollywood blockbuster. But individual episodes are generally um, have a smaller budget and a smaller scope. Um, so to get the same sort of talent from a director, you have to be that good because they're still competing, albeit in a slightly different way, against the, the $100,000 million pound dollar block, Hollywood blockbuster. So you have to know and hone your talent and you get some spectacular stuff on television nowadays. Well, um, definitely the directors and producers and writers of TV shows are not being shunned by the, um, Hollywood or the, or the big studios because um, it's proven to be such you know, a breeding ground for talent. If they can cut their teeth on dramatic, episodic shows like that, um, and, you know, and they're filmed in such a way that they're like movies anyway. TV making used to be very flat, you know, and you know, it, it was the distinction between television drama and big screen spectacle was vast. It's not like that at all now. You know, they, they can be virtually, you know, indivisible, can't they? Things like Lost, which I have seen, things like Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I did see as well, um, you know, and Bar- certainly Battlestar Galactica, they, 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 they're just mini movies in their own right anyway. You've got the, the super smooth handheld camera work, which is, you know, putting the, the drama right in your face. Really stark, um, unwatered down screenwriting. Damn fine performances. 
they're just as galvanizing and if not better because there's a lot certainly a lot more of them how many, how many movies out there right now don't really work uh, look at T4 for example um, Terminator Salvation uh, a lot of money but absolutely rubbish I quite enjoy I far more enjoyed Sarah Chronic O'Connor <laughs> Who was it? Sarah Chronic. Oh, <laughs> Sarah oh, Chronic. Dear. Oh, it's both for the blue for real. <laughs> Sarah, what's her name again? Connor. Connor. Sarah Connor Chronicles. I actually found more enjoyable. It wasn't a great teach, but I enjoyed it. Damn sight like more than um, Terminator 4. So, yeah, the, they're not shunned at all. It is a, it's a way of proving yourself to work to, you know, an economy to get your stuff in on time and to deliver damn fine products. If you can do that, you know that's that's your, your stepping stone to the you know the big time. Or is it is it still the big time it used to be? Well, this is the point of the, the debate, isn't it? Obviously, it isn't, because how, how many of them are still going to keep on making TV shows as well? JJ Abrams is um, okay, left to the big time with Star Trek, but you know, is he going to leave behind you know the, the old days of what was it Alias and well, he did Lost, didn't he? Yeah, and you know. I don't think he's going to leave a lap behind either. Well, let's hope not, because because he's um. I mean, that, that's where that's where we know him from. I mean, he had those 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 ongoing series. I mean, Alias sort of lost its way a bit, lost lost its way a bit. Um, perhaps they needed to be a season or two shorter. However, they were still very very compelling viewing, very compelling writing, and mm-hmm. he was ideal to helm Star Trek because of the the, the way he works. Yeah, and of course he'd done Mission Impossible 3 as well, hadn't he? He did, and that was the best of the three films, I thought. Yeah, indeed it was, yeah. Mm. So, But you also look at the, um, the, the vast range of, of stuff that's on TV now. You've got your hard-hitting dramas like The Wire, you've got your gangster epics like The Sopranos, well, which are more like character studies like The Sopranos. You've got, um, oh, help me out here, there's just so many to pick from, isn't there? But there is lately, you've got like the likes of Fringe and... Things like that, you know, which which are exploring, you know, wildly sci-fi and supernatural um, elements, and, and supernatural. I forgot about that. What what a great show that turned out to be. <laughs> you know, I really didn't expect much from that one, but um, you know, whereas the two guys who were in that, whose names I'm not going to try to pronounce right now because I've forgotten them anyway, but um, both suddenly hit the uh, the movies themselves. Okay, we're talking actors now. We're not talking screenwriters or um, directors. Uh, one made. My Bloody Valentine, the remake, or one did um, oh, Friday the 13th, the remake. And both films were largely forgettable, um, just you know, cheap bloodletting uh, exercises, sort of thing I like. But you know, they, they weren't you know, the exact you know, leapfrog into superstardom these two guys were probably looking for. But if you look back at the actual episodes of Supernatural, they were far, they, they were far, far better actors suited to that um, because the, there's a lot more drama, there's a lot more character over the ongoing series, um, plus individual episodes had more bites, more um, frights, and a lot more effects to them in some cases. So, again, TV wins out in that direction, or rather it can do. What I'm saying is the um, you know, TV is not frowned upon anymore. It hasn't been for quite some time. It is still a major, major breeding ground for the movies, uh, and you know people can jump ship back to to making TVs again, TV series again because it's just what have we got coming up? Haven't we got the um, Star Wars live action series, which has been so long touted? But you know that's going to be an event in itself, isn't it? If that ever does come come to be, which I, I believe that Lucas is doing this, isn't he? He's been touting it for long enough. I, I haven't uh, heard anything past Clone Wars, so. I don't, I don't personally. I don't know. I've, I haven't heard anything. Maybe listeners, if they have heard anything, they can post in the feedback uh, forum area under this podcast. With that, um, I'm going to come to Alan. Alan, uh, you've been in the, the the film industry for quite a number of decades, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, was it a case in the olden days that um, directors in TV never made it into film? Was there this distinction between? Uh, the two media formats. Um, well, some, some directors used to say they wouldn't do telly, um, but um, the reality is that an awful lot of good directors from the olden days uh, ended up doing telly uh, in Britain, particularly uh, for ITC, um, like uh, when they did things like The Return of the Saint or 
um, you know, I'm thinking about directors like uh, Leslie Norman, who had, I think he did Dunkirk uh, as Barry Norman's dad, and um, Charles Friend and um, oh, Basil Dearden. They would do th- end up doing things like The Persuaders. Uh, they'd all been big directors, movie directors in their day. Uh, but I guess as maybe they got a bit older, or, or maybe they just had to pay the mortgage, they ended up doing telly. Um, I remember more recently um, John Glenn, uh, uh, who, who directed three or four of the Bond movies, um, ended up directing a couple of episodes of Space Precinct, the Jerry Anderson thing. Um, uh, but they, I think that people t- in between features they take what's offered, whether it be um, telly, whether it be corporate. Um, some people get so grand and that they say they're not going to do anything less than features, but that's because they've got enough money uh, not to have to worry about it. Um, other people have got the mortgage to pay, so they do they do what they get offered. Um, so, uh, in, uh, basically, good old film series shot in the UK don't happen very much these days. Um, we're in the digital realm, so things are getting shot uh, on more like the digital format, and they still seem to sell quite well across the world. Um, but the, the reality is that uh, it has to be saleable to make it a, a commodity that can sell. Um, and I think a product, um, an episode, a TV episode, which typically might be shot in seven days, uh, that's hell for leather uh, to to do that sort of thing, uh, as opposed to a feature film, which might take maybe a minimum of thirty days to shoot. Um, so the, the, there are uh, the, the, there are sort of quality uh, considerations to take into account, but the crews who work on them are professional, and they know how to get things quickly. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's just a matter of whether the director makes his own mind up as to whether he wants to do it or not, or whether he's, he's got a, a, a wife who has ex- expensive tastes. <laughs> so let's move the conversation on a bit. And uh, Simon, do you think it's a case of um, now that the, the quality and the special effects and the budgets of, of these TV series um, have gone up and, and, and the quality is so good that when it actually comes to the movie side of things, they have to up the game a bit more and, and maybe audiences are a little bit more expectant of, of the movie side of things. I w- yeah, I would think so. I mean, the audience expects a, a, a certain quality, um, be it from, from a movie or from a television series. Um, the, the TV uh, has grown in stature where it's more, there's more and more money being thrown at these shows and they're consistently becoming better and better and better. Of course, we, we are picking out the best shows here. There's still plenty of pilots made that are absolute tosh and never get picked up. All great shows that get axed uh, rather unfairly. Well, yes, like Firefly. Like Firefly. I I was just going to say that. Yeah, Firefly. That was criminal. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the shows I actually watched. Yeah, Yeah, that was that was a real, real shame. Basically, because the the network didn't really know what to do with it. You know, it was it was played backwards for a start. It's played different times. It was like Doctor Who, um, BBC with Doctor Who when they were trying to kill it off, essentially. You know, they would never give it a, 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 a proper time slot, bounced it around all over the schedules, and then wonder why nobody watched it. You know, it's, it's quite obvious. Yeah, that's Thoughts network, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, with, with a TV show, you can, you've got, if, if, if it's successful, it gets past its, its pilot in its first season. Um, there's a lot more that it can do with it, you know, you're not constrained by theme or um, even censorship in, in, in a lot of cases now. Look at the likes of Dexter, which is mm. a very <laughs> dubious kind of a great show, but very dubious and weird. You know, you're rooting for a serial killer. Well, he's doing a pretty good job, like, but uh, he's killing the other serial killers. But there you go. It's, it's still a, a quirky, bizarre, subversive kind of thing, which you would never have got, you know, 10 years ago, say. It just wouldn't have happened, would it? Or even longer ago, certainly. Um, what about Band of Brothers? Epic um, battle strewn carnage. Um, and, which, and, and this is what I'm coming into because Spielberg's got another Band of Brothers style thing on the way, hasn't he? 
uh, is me saying another TV show which I've heard about, which might never happen. But apparently, <laughs> this one is, and it's a set. This is a uh, GI's going in the uh, the Pacific theater of, of war, isn't it? I don't, I don't know what it's called, folks. By the way, I just sort of get mentioned that it was on the way, and they've definitely been filming it. And there's a few um, names in that. So you know, the future of, of TV drama certainly isn't lacking um, for you know range and quality of, of people involved. It, it's for, funny that you. It's funny that you say Band of Brothers because I hadn't seen it and I bought the Blu-ray box last week. Watched the first two episodes. I am hooked. Yeah, it is it's... absolutely gung ho in your face. Handheld camera. You're actually there. It's fantastically done uh, yeah. and really well shot. And and it looks like a, a motion picture. It has the uh, the violence of um, Private Ryan, but a little less of the gore. Um, but yeah, it, it, it certainly grabs you by the uh, the you know what and does not let go. And you'll find it pretty much carries all that throughout the entire, you know, run. Um, and you will get to know various people, and some will die. And you know, it, it's the the thing about the, these shows, these long running shows, is you know the consistency of the writing, the the overall quality of the performances, the money. Okay, the money is thrown on it. It ensures it always looks good, and they keep to the you know the initial goal that they had in mind, the, the visual look that they always wanted. They don't get dumbed down. They don't look. Like we talked about Star Trek before and season three, well, you know, obviously it was lacking in many, many departments. Well, every department basically, but it was looking like it was as well. So, you know, the shows now, if they're successful, and there's so many that are, you know, we won't think about the ones that have failed, but, um, you know, because they're so popular, the money keeps getting thrown at them, and, you know, and the writers keep on churning out the good stuff. As I say, I'm not the biggest um, TV watcher, primarily because of my circumstances here at home. I don't get a chance to look at the bloody TV because the kids commandeer it for far too long. So, you know, if, if this conversation was about CBBs, then, you know, I'm your man. But, um, <laughs> you know, or the soaps. Dumb. But, um, you know, this, 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 the, in my personal experience, the shows that I hear so much about are the ones I then pick up on, on disc, be it DVD or Blu-ray. And, you know, yeah, my God, they're worth it. So if that's a taste of what TV does have to offer, then I'm missing out on quite a lot of uh, quality you know, stuff that's out there. I've, I've got to say, I am guilty of missing out on quite a bit of uh, of TV um, just because of my workload and hours that I work. But I'm like you, Chris, I'll go and buy the box set and it's always a dangerous thing to do because as soon as you get hooked... Yeah, that's it. That, Your that's life's it. over, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Because you got to watch the next episode, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh well, so the next one's only an hour. I'll, I'll put the next one on, and before you know it, you, you've sat there for five, six hours, you know, watching well, five or six episodes one after the other. There's some kind of theme for debate there, though, isn't it? I mean, what are we losing out by not having that suspense or waiting for the next actual broadcast episode? But are we cheating by you know, oh yeah, this is great, but I won't, I won't bother watching it. I mean, there's one called Harper's Island. I don't know if anyone saw that, which is everyone said, Chris, you've got to watch it. It's, it's just horror. It's it's gory. It's nasty. You'll love it. It's a big mystery. Everyone you suspect gets killed each episode. So you're racking your brains as to who the murderer is. And I've heard so much about it um, that you know, I've, it's it's out. I think fairly soon on disc. I'm 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 sold. I'm having it. It's as simple as that. Well, but the, um, the only one I've followed recently was was the last season of Battlestar. And uh, watching that week week to week, it killed me, having mm. to wait another week for for the next instalment. Mm. Um, I've got to say, I much prefer the disc approach where I can do it in my own time and and watch it in my own time. And exactly, yeah, um, we win. <laughs> but but let's get back to the main subject of film. Is film going to have to up its game now because of the quality um, that's now available on the little box in the corner of the t- you know corner of the living room? Well, it's uh, trying to already, isn't it? It's, it's, it's throwing 3D at us, isn't well, it? It's, try, it's trying to say, look, we can do something the TV can't yet. We all, we've all seen you know, the, the, the good work you're doing, Phil, about how they're trying to bring it to the home environment. But at the moment, it's, it's pretty much exclusive to, to the cinema. So this is what it's trying to do. It's always trying to update itself. Did this uh, happen in the past, Alan? Is, are, are we just uh, no, on, on well, a 20-year cycle where you know, the quality picks up so the cinema has to back up its ideas? Well, if something comes along, like when television came along, the cinema had to do something different, and that was CinemaScope, and uh, then they had to go with stereo sound. They also had to go with 3D in the past. Well, it's 
had a, they've had a bash with 3D. This is now the third time, to my knowledge, uh, and this time it appears to be an awful lot more successful than it ever has been before. Um, hopefully, it will continue because um, the, the 3D effect is is pretty good. Um, now, I think we're we're going to have that in the home, though, so it's no longer going to be an advantage of of the cinema. It's uh, uh, just going to be a little technical gimmick, um, but it's, it's a case of how long it lasts for. And it, ultimately, at the end of the day, you can forget about all the technical wizardry that you, uh, that they can come up with. At the end of the day, what matters is the quality of the, the stories, uh, whether people are actually interested in them, whether it's a good story, um, forget effects and all that nonsense. Um, people won't sit and watch something that's a pile of crap that doesn't interest them. Which there's, there's, there's a huge be... difference between um, TV and movies, which is always going to be there. And like the TV has the potential to go on, and you know, with serials or five day drama things. We've had that recent collision thing, which I I didn't see any of, by the way, but a lot of people who enjoyed it, um, which had people hooked to it. But um, the the movie is the one stop shop, isn't it? That's your night out. Um, you get told a story and you get the ending that same night. Um, it's usually it's going to have more money on it. It's going to be a biggest again. I've, this is this doesn't matter. It's the story that counts. Are you going to enjoy that big night out at the, at the screen? It depends on the film and are movie makers upping their game to combat TV. I don't doubt that they are in some respects, but the, the point still remains that you know you love your TV shows, but that big film comes on that you want to see, you're still going to go and see it. it Regardless of you know how good that's going to compare to um, you know a TV spin-off or you know the latest I don't know Supernatural, Dexter, Lost, whatever that happens to be on at the same time, so you know the movies are still going to be a separate entity. Okay, the the lines of division aren't quite as clear cut as they once were because but you know we're in the end we're still the winners because we're getting quality thrown at us on the small screen and hopefully on the big screen as well. So. I think there was an answer in there somewhere. Not too sure. But. <laughs> well, of course, because I mean, the TV we we we're getting this stuff coming to us. I mean, we're all fortunate enough to have reasonably big systems with which to watch the stuff. You know, we've all got projectors or plasmas and surround sound and all that stuff. But you don't need that to enjoy TV. You can have your thirty-two inch LCD and still enjoy a good TV show. Of course, but I, I guess the main argument is is if the material's any good, it doesn't matter what you're watching it on. That, mm. It could be a nine-inch screen on the back headrest of an airplane as you go on holiday. If the, yeah. if the story's good enough, if the film's good enough, it's going to draw your attention, and it doesn't matter if you're watching it on a fifteen-foot screen or a fifteen-inch screen. And in my opinion, mm. well, I, I would beg to differ a little bit there uh, in as much as having flown out to uh, Riyadh on a Saudi Airlines jet I uh, did attempt to watch The Departed on one of the, uh, the little headrest screens and it had been got at by uh, the, the Saudi um, sensors so <laughs> you'll... Alan, Alan, do you know what you should have done? You should have watched it in a departure lounge Probably, yes I, I, would, have oh! underst- I would have understood the story then <laughs> and uh, the other thing that got me was they showed um, Flushed Away, the DreamWorks animation thing. Um, mm-hmm. And um, every time the female mouse character, animated mouse character, appeared with a, an apparently low-cut blouse, this <laughs> fuzzy area appeared over the screen so you couldn't see anything. And every time it cut to a shot of a, a champagne bottle, the label had a fuzzy over it so you couldn't see it. So, um, a mouse in a blouse. Exactly. So my point being, there, an air, watching a movie on an airplane is not the place to watch a good movie. It's only I mean, a good place to watch um, Al Qaeda terrorists or, or <laughs> pull that detonator or pair of the air hostesses. No, the, the the point I was making is, if the material is good, if it grabs you in the first few minutes, then you know, you know, that's that's the main thing. Hmm. You have to enjoy it. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. What, what always gets me, and I'm not um, getting at anybody on the forums, guys, but people who buy really crap movies just because the picture and sounds good and they can turn up the system, mm. I don't get that mentality. I have to enjoy the material. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah. So uh, just wrapping up on this conversation, and I guess 
TV has its advantages and film has its advantages and as long as we're getting good story and then they can add all the extras in, I guess we're happy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that this this trend isn't isn't going to end really. If I, it can only get better, I, I would suppose. The line between the two things is, is not that clear cut anymore. But you're still going to miss your TV show to watch the film you want to see at the flicks. It's still an event to do so. So yeah, we all win, and we win because they're going to try so hard. Cinema's going to keep trying so hard to beat TV. And TV is always going to be trying as hard to match up to the cinema, which it is doing, you know, with, with the shows that we've been talking about. And, of course, uh, uh, you just have to look at the quality, don't you? Oh, Two, yeah. 2012, anybody? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to see things getting destroyed <laughs> and blown up, then, yeah, either do that or, get, you know, join the army and go off to Afghanistan. But um, <laughs> people okay. are still going to go and see that, they. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, they went. What, did, did they go and see Ten Thousand Years? What was that film? Ten Thousand BC. Yeah. Uh, they went and saw Independence Day, and that was pretty. He much. says turning round to the shelf and picking up a Blu-ray of <laughs> Ten Thousand BC, which is actually still in the cellophane. Really? He's bloody opened it. <laughs> Begs the question: Why did I get it? <laughs> that, uh, that is a no. whole new conversation for another time. So <laughs> on the, on that. Politically incorrect and uh, uh, bashing of uh, what's his name? <laughs> Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. Uh, we're going to end our podcast for this month. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again next month for our uh, Christmas special. Oh. So join us in December for our uh, final podcast of the year. And uh, my thanks to Chris, Alan, and Simon for tonight's chat. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is Phil Hinton saying thanks for listening and we'll see you again next month. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content including sound clips and music is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.